O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Yes. Psalm 8, as I mentioned, is a psalm of praise. It is a psalm of praise that proclaims God's glory. It proclaims his power and his magnificence, his miraculous power, his authoritative power, his magnificence. It praises his excellence, his perfection, his being above all else. This is just pure praise. Isn't that great? Isn't it nice to just be able to pause and say, how great is the Lord without having to you know, complain at the same time? I mean, here we are. We're just praising the Lord. It proclaims God's glory. Psalm 8 celebrates God's blessing on man. God's blessing on mankind. God's blessing on us. It celebrates this. And Psalm 8 celebrates God's salvation. We're going to see the salvation of the Lord in Psalm 8 this morning as well. Psalm 8 is just pure praise. No caveats. No complaints. We've been seeing that through the psalm so far last week. We talked about the false accusations David was going through and, and the trials and tribulations David was going through, but he praised God nonetheless. We don't have those trials and tribulations in Psalm 8 this week. You know, we, I, I cried out to the Lord and he heard me from his holy hill and he, he avenged my enemies. We're not dealing with enemies today. We just have praise for the Lord. No complaints, no distress, no request. We're not asking God for anything this morning. We are just praising his name. Sometimes we just need to realize that God is good, that he has given us good, that his intentions toward us are good, and we just need to praise him for it. It's, it's, we should do that from time to time, to just celebrate God's goodness. So let's get started this morning. Psalm 8 declares God's glory. In verse 1, David says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. How excellent is thy name in all the earth. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. What does that word excellent mean? We, we say things, oh, that's excellent. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Excellent! Okay, we've kind of lost the meaning of the word excellent. But we've also lost the meaning of the word awesome. We've messed that word up too. We, we've commonized that. Excellent. That's excellent. I had a, had a man come into my office. He owned a company called Excelsior Builders. They built houses. I said Excelsior. I've never heard that word before. I said Excelsior. What's that mean? He goes, it means the most good. Like think of how good it could be. It's even better. Okay, that's Excelsior. Um, God's name is Excellent. That's good. That's amazing. The word excellent means majestic. 
It means powerful. It means wide. You think wide, think of the Mississippi, think of the strength of the Mississippi River, not back up in, well, who was I talking to that they'd been up? Okay, we're not, we're not back up where we can stop the Mississippi with a spoon. We're talking about Mississippi in front of Jackson, okay? How wide and how powerful that river is, okay? That, that, that's excellent. Famous. Everybody knows this name. Everybody knows this word. It's excellent. The, how excellent is thy name? How majestic is thy name? How powerful is thy name? How wide, how widely known, how influential, how famous is your name? The word excellent was used to describe royalty. It was used to describe seas. It was used to describe majestic trees. Have y'all ever seen really tall, big trees? We don't see a lot of them in the world around here. We see a lot of them in East Texas. You have some really tall pine trees that are majestic in East Texas. You go out to California to the Sequoia National Park. I mean, the, the General Sherman. I wish everyone was as happy to be here as she is. Um, you have the General Sherman that you could line my entire family up in front of the tree, and there's still plenty of tree on either side of us, okay? Majestic, excellent. That is what this word is. That's how this word is used. How excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. There is no name higher than that of God. There is no name higher than that of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is nothing more magnificent, more splendid, more breathtaking than the glory of God. Now, I moved here from the pine trees. We didn't get to see many stars because the pine trees kind of blocked our view. I didn't know this, but in the cities, you can't even see the stars at night because of the lights of the city. But you get out here where you don't have pine trees obstructing your view, where you don't have city lights drowning them out, and you can see the starry skies. You can see the night lights, the, the, the moon in, in a different way. And you think of the beauty of the night sky when you can look into the stars, and then you start to see the different depth of the stars, and you start to really get a sense of just how deep the universe is staring up into the sky at night. And you think about how beautiful that is. God is more beautiful. You think of how amazing the galaxy looks. I have been able to look through telescopes at observatories, at Jupiter, at its moons. At, you know, when I, I took an astronomy class at Stephen F. Austin when I was a kid, and we went into the planetarium and we got to see how amazing the universe is, how amazing the galaxies are. God is more amazing. There is nothing that we can see or experience in this world in this universe, in this life, that compares with God. Amen. And I've seen a lot of it. I've seen the night skies. I have seen the stars from the telescopes. I have looked over into the Grand Canyon and thought, my, that's a mighty deep hole. I have been to the top of Pikes Peak. I have seen the Mississippi River. I have crossed it many times. I have held newborn babies, my newborn babies. I have, I have seen God change the lives of children, of, of people, of adults, I have seen some amazing things in my life. But of all the amazing things in my life, God is even more amazing. There's nothing that compares. There's nothing that compares. What makes God so excellent? What makes God 
so glorious. Verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. That is the... Those are Amber Alerts. Those are pretty important notifications. The only negative thing you see in Psalm 8 is this reference to the enemy and the avenger. Who are these babes? Who are these sucklings? Who are these little ones that are addressed in Psalm 8? Are they the kids at Vacation Bible School that sing, Jesus loves me? Yes. Is it the person that professes Jesus Christ as his personal Savior? Yes. But you know what? The babes and sucklings here in Psalm 8, verse 2, that's us. That would be us. Out of our mouths, out of our praise and our profession of faith, God ordained strength. You see, when Satan was ejected from heaven, he went to man trying to turn the crowning point of God's creation against him. And Satan tempts man with everything man could possibly want. We have studied in times past at this church the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. These are the things that are in the world. These are the things that are not of God. The lust of the flesh, these are things, sinful desires that your flesh wants. The, the lust of the eyes, this is something you see. It looks good. It's pleasing. It's appealing. You want it. The pride of life, this is something that lifts me up and lets me feel like I'm somehow better and I've achieved a new height. This is something that plays into my own ego. These are things that are of the world and things that are not of God. Satan uses these things to tempt us, to tempt us into rebelling against God. Satan promises complete freedom with limitless pleasure, free from consequence. If you rebel against God, he wants you to rebel against God. He wants you to blaspheme God. He wants you to live in blasphemy because Satan cannot defeat God. The only way he can claim a victory over God is to get God's creation, us, to turn against him. And he pulls out all the stops. This is something you'll really like. This is something you will have a lot of pleasure in. This is something that will let everybody know how glorious you are. And he appeals to us and he tempts us to get us to turn our backs on God. And if you don't fall for the temptations, he will lure you to sin by bringing on adversity. Satan didn't tempt Job by showing him things that could please his flesh. Satan tempted Job by taking everything away from him. God has given us the ability to reject these temptations. And when we do, we glorify him and he reigns victorious. Job glorified God by remaining faithful to him. Paul glorified God by continuing to preach the gospel amidst the persecution as did the rest of the apostles and the churches of his day. And when we gather together here to proclaim the glory of God, he has ordained strength out of our mouths. When you remain faithful to the Lord amidst all the temptations, those that would please you or those that are causing you trouble, when you stay faithful to the Lord, you glorify him, you honor him, you give God the victory. Whenever God's people praise the Lord and obey his word amidst temptation, God is glorified. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings has thou ordained strength. How 
great is God's name in all the world. Psalm 8 celebrates his name, celebrates his glory, celebrates his excellence. Psalm 8 also celebrates God's blessing on man. In verse 3, David says, when I consider thy heaven, so we're already in the stars. We talked about the stars here just a second ago. So while you're staring at the stars, the, star, the stars in your mind, you're staring at the stars in your mind. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Going back to the night sky, to the heavens, to the galaxies, to examine the majesty of God. Take in the brilliance and the beauty of the moon and the stars. Consider God's power that he created all of that simply by speaking them into existence. Or as Larry the Cucumber told Junior Asparagus in the episode of VeggieTales, Where's God When I'm Scared? He just went, and there they were. VeggieTales. Um, he just spoke it all into existence. Consider the character of God that creation reveals. What does the Bible tell us about creation? It is good. God said, let there be light. And the light was, it was separated from the dark. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God saw that it was good. God said, let the firmament separate. Let the waters separate from the waters. Let there set a firmament in the sky. He created the sky. And God saw that it was good. Let the dry land appear. God saw that it was good. Let the land bring forth the herb and the seed yielding plant. And it did. And God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. Consider the character of God that creation reveals this sight the sight of the night sky the sight of the creation of god took david's breath away and in considering god's majesty by observing his creation david then wondered what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him if you want to feel small go out in the country around where brother wayman lives um just picking on you but he lives out in the country um Go out in the country. Take in the night sky. You feel small yet? Stand next to the ocean. Look out over the ocean. You feel small yet? Stand on top of Pikes Peak or at the edge of the Grand Canyon. David is taking this in. And he says, what is man? That thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him. What is man that God is mindful of us? That he knows us. That he remembers us. That he is deeply familiar with who you are. He knows you by name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He is keenly aware of what is going on with us. I, I saw something on the internet this week. I liked it. It says the same God that created the magnificent universe looked at you and said, yeah, we need one of those too. God is mindful of us. And the son of man, that thou visitest him. That thou, anybody ever have God visit you? Just God knock on your door, come into your living room. Hey, let's watch the game together. That's, that's how we think of visiting. Like, I show up to Brother Jim's house, and, and we watch the Texas Rangers. That's, that's, that's a visit. You know, that's how we'd call a visit. But the biblical word visit means more than just to show up on their doorstep and say hi. The biblical word to visit means to care for, to meet needs. 
God not only knows us, he cares for us, he meets our needs, and he works on our behalf. God protects us. God protects us. Look at this blessing he has on us. The same God that created this magnificent universe in which we live. He knows you. He knows your needs. He knows what's going on in your life. And he's working in that. And he's working to meet those needs and to protect you and to, and to look after you. He visits you. What is man that you are mindful of us? What is man, the son of man, that you visit? I mean, he, he's mindful of me and he visits me and he takes care of me. And what I, am I next to this great creation that we are around? How amazing is that? Verse 5 says, Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Verse 5 speaks to the dignity that God gave us. He made us a little lower than the angels in terms of miraculous power, but he crowned us with glory and honor. God gave us glory and honor. He bestowed upon us a certain dignity being created in his image. And he set us up as the crowning point of his creation. The same God who spoke the majesty of creation into existence actually took time to form us. When you read about the creation, the Bible tells you how he spoke everything into existence. He said, let it be, and it was. And then he said, let us create man in our own image. And you see at the end of chapter 1, male and female created he them. But then you go to chapter 2, and you find out by reading chapter 2 that when God created man, he didn't just speak man into existence. He formed man from the dust of the ground. He formed woman from the rib of the man. He took time to form us. He took time to make us. He created us in his image, and he breathed into us his, his life, his breath, that, so that man became a living soul. Man was created with dignity and honor. Dignity and honor that was bestowed upon us by God. And that's why he's commanded us to love one another. That's why he's commanded us to care for one another. That's why he's commanded us to treat each other the way he's commanded us to treat each other. Because all of us are created in the image of God. I've said it before, I'll say it again. You will never look into the eyes of someone that God does not love. You will never look into the eyes of someone that God does not want to save. In verse 6. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. One of the ways God has blessed us is that he gave us dominion over the earth. We have dominion over the animals. We have dominion over much of nature. And that may sound like, yo, we're, we're big stuff. But think about this. Think about this past week and what we've seen with these wildfires. Think about what we have seen this past week with the way the wildfires have affected livestock and the way they have affected wildlife. And look at how man has responded to that in light of the animals. During this week, I mean, the wildfires, what recourse does a cow have during a wildfire? What recourse does a goat have in a wildfire? What recourse do the deer have in wildfire? Yet mankind, we have been equipped with the ability to cut fire breaks, to fly helicopters in the sky to drop suppression, su suppressant on the fire, to fight the fires. Not only that, I saw a video this week of helicopters being used to herd cattle away from the fire. So in our dominion of the creation that God has given us, we're actually using that to save the lives of the animals that God has entrusted to us. He's made us to have dominion over the works of his hands and put all things under our feet. He has given us that blessing. Look at all the ways that God has blessed us.
Look at all the ways God has loved us. Just amazing. Now my theologians in the room are saying, you're missing a key detail, Leland. You're not going deep enough on this, Leland. And you're right. That brings us to our third and final point. Psalm 8 celebrates salvation. Verse 5. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. Hebrews chapter 2 gives us a commentary on this verse. Hebrews 2 references this verse when it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Christ, the only begotten Son of God, exalted above all creation as being part of the Godhead, as being God in flesh. The Bible says he was made a little lower than the angels. He was made man. He became man. He was made a little lower than the angels in tasting death. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, walked this earth. The creator of the universe walked this earth as a man, lived the life that we live. He worked for a living just as we worked. And kids, if you're in school and you haven't worked for a living yet, he went to school just like you went to school. I don't want to have to memorize this Shakespeare passage. He had to memorize the Old Testament as a kid. Try that one on. And that's what they did in, in, in Hebrew school and in, in rabbinical school. When he was a kid, they, they memorized the entire Old Testament. And that rabbi told them what that meant for the kingdom. Sometimes that rabbi was wrong. But that's what Jesus spent his childhood doing. He apprenticed under Joseph. He became a carpenter. He was the carpenter's son. He worked long, hard hours. You talk about financial issues. Some of us uh, confess this morning to having holes in our change purses. That our money falls out. Jesus understood financial distress. When you see Jesus walking the earth when he's ministering, he's not, unlike certain televangelists of our days, he didn't have his own private jet. He didn't even have a charter bus. He didn't even have a horse or a chariot. He walked everywhere. He understood what it was like to be underfunded, to have financial shortfalls. The Bible tells us that he was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. If there is anything that you have faced, God faced it. Jesus faced it. Yet he faced it without sin. And when he completed all that, having kept the law, having lived the perfect sinless life, he was subjected to death on the cross. The most shameful, most humiliating, most degrading, most physically painful suffering that any man could possibly go through. Jesus endured that on the cross. He was made a little lower than the angels. But on that cross, he did something amazing. On that cross, he took the punishment of God for the sins of the entire world. God never punished his angels outside the demons who will be condemned for eternity. But he punished them for what they did. What God punished Jesus for is what we did. And what we do and what we continue to do. 
he was made a little lower than the angels. Hebrews said that, that for the suffering of death, that by the grace of God should taste death for every man. He suffered on our behalf. He suffered in our place. He gave up his life on that cross. He was buried. He was buried for three days. And then he rose again the third day, conquering death. Or as our passage today would say, crowned with glory and honor. His glory and honor is victorious. It's victorious because your sins have been forgiven. None of us here stand before, if you know the Lord as your Savior, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you do not stand in front of God condemned. Rather, you stand in front of God redeemed. Your sins have been forgiven. Those who know the Lord as their Savior, your life has been redeemed. You have eternity in God's kingdom to look forward to if you know the Savior. Isn't this something to celebrate? Verse 9, O Lord our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. It should blow your mind that the same God who created the universe, created you, knows everything about you, knows what you need, is ministering to you, and laid his own life down to redeem you for eternity. That the same Lord that did all of that not only said, here's salvation, take it or leave it, but he says, I'm, here's salvation, I'm going to guide you to it. If you'll just follow the same God that guided you to salvation continues to work in your life today, transforming you and teaching you and growing you. When I consider the heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars and all those things that God has ordained, what is man that he is mindful of us? And the son of man that he visits us. Yeah, we got issues in the world. We got issues in life. We're facing them right here in our own neighborhood right now. Let us not forget God's glory, his love, his grace, and his blessing. While we look at these issues. Let us trust him through all the storms. Because of how amazing he is. How excellent is his name in all the earth. 